And we're live. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Diversity with Diana podcast series, the podcast that discusses inclusive diversity and good governance. Today, I'm really excited to get back, first of all, to sharing diversity stories, inclusion stories, and good governance. Today, we have a special guest in studio to, uh, with us. I want to read his profile from what I have compiled online and on his social media. This is Dr. Simon Kigondu, a husband, a father, a social thinker. Dr. Kigondu is a medical doctor specializing as an obstetrician, gynecologist, and is based in Nairobi, Kenya. He is a health advocate and the CEO of Exela Healthcare, an obstetrics and gynecology practice based at KMS Center, Upper Hill in Nairobi. He currently serves as a secretary general of Kenya Medical Association. He, he also serves as a board director at Amnesty International Kenya. We engage Dr. Kigondo today to understand the merit of inclusion in Kenya's healthcare system and policy. We ask, do all persons in Kenya of all diverse backgrounds have similar access to healthcare services without discrimination? We discuss this and much more today. So Karibu Sana, Dr. Simon, and thank you so much for honoring our invitation. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much, Diana, for hosting me in this podcast. And uh, we hope we will learn something new. And um, uh, I, I'm interested in engaging your yes. viewers um, and uh, probably one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, direct from their questions uh, following the introductions would be very useful. Right. Karibu Sana. So we usually have uh, the introduction where we have our guests tell us about their journey. So as Simon, not the doctor, before you became doctor, who you were, probably yeah. your family history, how you became to become a doctor, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what were your motivations, inspirations, and then becoming successful in your career and becoming that voice of reason. Yes, doctor. Uh, yeah, so I was born um, uh, but do I say, at the Aga Khan Hospital, uh, mm -hmm. my father was a thinker, a bowler, so to speak. But Aga Khan mm -hmm. Hospital was like the Kiambu District Hospital because our, their shags was there in Kiambu, Moshava there. So that's yes. how I happened to be born there. That was a long time. But um, uh, recently we celebrated my mom's 69th birthday which uh, can be found on social media. So I think my parents uh, contributed mm -hmm. to a lot of where I am now. And um, luckily for me, they are both still alive. They live uh, there in the home of Calif Records. Um, they are in California. <laughs> if you want to visit them. And mm -hmm. I have a brother and two sisters and um, two children and uh, uh, two knee and, and nephew and a niece. Um, yes. So I went, I'm a born town, so to speak, a Nairobi fella. Clearly, and, uh, clearly. Having grown up in uh, <laughs> California, uh, that's East Lando, so to speak, but um, mm -hmm. went to Lavington Primary School and uh, Strathmore uh, School and also Strathmore College and eventually the University of Nairobi to do medicine. The reason I did medicine was I think people who had high marks those days just chose medicine, huh? Uh, yes. And uh, we went there. And uh, mm. six year six year journey uh, in medicine. Mm. Then I was posted to Machakos District Hospital. Then yeah. um, 
uh, after for internship and uh, being a medical officer. I returned yeah. to the University of Nairobi to master in obstetrics and gynecology. And uh, after that, I was uh, posted as the gynecologist, medical superintendent, and director of medical services of Isiolo mm -hmm. Zoo. Yeah, yes. I was in charge of uh, like eight hospitals, but the main one was Isiolo District Hospital. So I worked mm -hmm. in that uh, arts area for about five years. And wow. then um, I moved, uh, <laughs> I moved wow. closer to uh, closer uh, to Moranga County uh, Hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. currently, also uh, in the public sector at Kegumo a sub county hospital throughout i've done uh, private practice and i think mm -hmm. a combination of both private and public uh, practice makes for a good doctor uh, mm -hmm. yeah we supplement uh, the government uh, with uh, private practice a bit because mm -hmm. i suppose you can never uh, pay the health work or indeed any other civil servant enough to probably um, survive in this time where uh, fuel is 135 mm. liter. Liter. We are suffering here in Nairobi, but some of you are born town. Maybe you're used to this <laughs> high cost of living. Yes, yeah. Daktari. So, uh, yes. Yeah. So in, in terms of health leadership, I've been um, mm. in... Um, I became the chairman of uh, Kenya Medical Association um, Machakos Division immediately mm. after finishing internship those days, yeah? in the year 2001, for two years. I've also mm. been in several committees of Kenya Medical Association, um, mm. uh, rising to national treasurer then secretary general, uh, mm. which is my current uh, designation. I'm also a council member at the Kenya mm. Obstetrical and gynecological society, uh, yes. a council member, the, the sort of the governance um, yeah. as the sort of chairman of the central branch of uh, the association. Yes. Um, in terms of justice scenarios, I, I, I am a, a board member of Amnesty mm -hmm. uh, International Kenya uh, mm -hmm. because I espouse those um, values of uh, protecting um yourself from power so to speak you know mm. um, yes uh, right so um, yeah mm. that's very critical and thank you so much for bringing us into your leadership journey as a medical doctor and just showing us that um that training what you have done how many years you have, you've actually done in the Asal county i had no idea about that but today we want to understand something daktari we want to understand about health policy in kenya and its practice and then later we'll ask you whether it is inclusive whether we as advocates human rights advocates should focus on healthcare being inclusive inclusive to young people women persons with disabilities economically unstable persons and basically all the people in Kenya. So let us understand the context of the health policy and practice in Kenya. Yes. Yeah, so um, Kenya is known uh, for having uh, some of the best policies. Uh, we come to fighting uh, about the implementation. So mm -hmm. about having on paper the policies that are good 
uh, we do have. So the Kenyan mm -hmm. health system is divided into a, um, uh, a public and a private um, healthcare systems that run uh, concurrently and are mm -hmm. supposed to be complementary. And um, of relevance is that um, the government is supposed to sort of uh, do two things, run the public mm -hmm. health system and uh, mm -hmm. give uh, um, a suitable environment for the private health system to thrive. So there are many factors that uh, need to be in place on that. Um, the, 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 the picture from it is that health is a social good. Health being a social good and every Kenyan has a right to the highest achievable health care according to the constitution, then it is uh, upon the government to ensure that every Kenyan has access to the highest possible uh, uh, care in this yes. country. And uh, as a result of that, health mm. being a public good and health being expensive, then mm. it is important that um, uh, uh, finances be allocated to mm. uh, the provision of uh, public health care. Um, mm. as, as an individual and as an association, we have advocated for what is called um, uh, tax uh, uh, public driven and tax funded public mm. health care system. Uh, and, uh, and, and this is um, uh, with the understanding that mm -hmm. uh, health is expensive. We, yes. In health, um, uh, you have the private uh, sector, which is um, uh, the basis of a private uh, sector healthcare is um, profit driven. A profit-driven mm -hmm. entity cannot be used to run mm -hmm. a, a, a country's health care system. Profit-driven yeah. profit system, uh, uh, there is, uh, the private sector has every right to be mm -hmm. profit-driven. And maybe later when we come to the conflicts that we, uh, we, we see where people are complaining mm -hmm. about being charged fees, then you'll mm -hmm. see that it is not the problem of the private mm. health system. It is mm. actually an economic question. So a lot, right. a lot of people complain, uh, mm. not because of anything, but because of their economic situation that mm. does not allow them to, mm. does not allow them to get the highest possible mm -hmm. quality of care, uh, mm. which we have said um, is a right. And uh, everyone wants the highest possible quality of care, and we do. And and therefore, this brings the clash, uh, so to speak, in people in people's mind on um, this uh, healthcare provision. So when we advocate for public-led, tax-funded, this mm. is so as to enable and 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 this is the co co con uh, the concept of universal health coverage which right. is to ensure that mm. everyone gets the highest quality of care without mm. uh, going into financial catastrophe. Mm. Catastrophe. As you know, one illness can make a whole uh, generation poor. You see, yes. if you are to take mm. care of uh, just one illness and, you know, the hospital mm. bills are very high, uh, then a whole generation, whatever you did, uh, can all go down 
uh, mm. in one stroke. And we have mm. seen this in the COVID situation, whereby uh, you are thinking you are well off, you have your house uh, bought, uh, you have your cars, you have maybe other mm. property, and you see that the, the, the disease on one parent, for instance, uh, or both, so to speak, because COVID seems to be affecting out, has taken mm. out uh, a whole uh, generation's work and investment. And with mm. that understanding, therefore, we as a people must push the government to ensure that everyone can afford medical mm. uh, services. And um, the, 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 in my view, from my view, the only way of doing this is to ensure that everyone has some form of health insurance, meaning mm -hmm. that uh, when they enter into any uh, public institution, then they can mm -hmm. get treatment without having to worry about uh, cost and uh, uh, that they have to go to health. You, you, you do not have to be choosing between mm -hmm. disease and poverty. You see, so yeah. that if you are not able to afford, then you cannot take care of your disease. Uh, mm -hmm. From a bad's IV, the way we have to look at healthcare is that once someone is unwell, they need mm -hmm. to be treated quickly so that they can go back to the community to become a productive member of uh, the community. If mm -hmm. that disease is not treated, not only can't you work, but you become mm. a burden to everyone else around you so that all resources are directed at mm. looking after you because you did not get timely quality mm. health care. Mm. And therefore, if we look at it from that point of view, then we will understand the need of pushing the government to ensure that everyone can get mm -hmm. this quality treatment uh, early, quickly. Um, mm. Sorry, I can talk the whole day on this, but let me just I continue. know, I know. I was actually going to interject and say, you've literally answered the next question that we had, which is, do we have just and fair access to healthcare services? And maybe to ask you, Dr. Ray, so we don't want to hear our rhetoric or maybe suggestions, like what is being done? Because good thing we had that you're saying you're a social thinker and you're an advocate. So what are some of the, let's say, um, I don't know how you call it in the public medical specter, but where we do, where we sit is that we sit in our governance space. This is youth governance space. We sit with the youth legislators, whether in parliament, in the Senate, in positions of authority, and we ask them, we give them our agenda points and we tell them these are the priorities that we want for inclusion. And then we push them and we keep we keep them to task and they can, they come back and report to us as a youth youthful population and especially those of us in member organizations so for the medical professionals you as a social thinker and as a practicing yeah. medic also sitting yeah. in high level positions what have you done to help change this lack of fair access if if i could say that or there may be unfair uh, distribution of resources that don't go towards service delivery health financing and probably poor governance what have we done? Like, can we hear at least a bit of hope and knowing that you are one of the advocates that are pushing for us to get this fair access to healthcare services? Yes. Yeah, no, no, it's not all uh, gloom and doom. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, from, the, from the top, uh, we must actually thank our president for, because mm -hmm. in the first, for the first time, health has been prioritized in the national agenda. Among right. the big four agenda, we have universal health coverage. 
So mm-hmm. you must understand that mm-hmm. you can go on strike, you can make all noise uh, mm-hmm. in the street, but if your agenda is not at a policy level, then uh, you will not get that funding. So the fact that universal health coverage has actually been pointed as a mm-hmm. government direction, then you have mm-hmm. funding directed at that. And that's the first step towards improvement of uh, uh, health care. We had fought for that for a very long time. And for a long time, um, health was not prioritized. Uh, and uh, but with, with the big four agenda, then uh, that has uh, actually been done. Secondly, is that um, we we know that the the system building blocks for a good uh, health system include um, there are six building blocks: service delivery, health workforce, health information systems, and access to essential medicines, financing, leadership, and governance. At the level of the health workforce, what Mm. we are seeing is that the World Health Organization ratios of health Mm. workers to uh, health workers to um, for the necessary service, the ratios have not yet Mm. been met. So the first thing maybe your youth may need to follow up is Mm. um, a proposal of what we call a health service commission. A health service commission would be a commission that employs uh, all manner of health workers and distributes them according to, across the country to meet the ratios that are necessary for that. So that is an agenda we've been pushing for. We yeah. uh, had put it in the constitution, but they relegated it and removed. And therefore, when yeah. that question you're asking me about that surgeon who goes on leave and there's no yeah. other surgeon to replace, then yeah. a health service commission would uh, help in getting that. The other agenda is financing. Uh, we, um, the Abuja Declaration uh, put health financing for you to get quality healthcare at 15% of the national budget. So our mm. 3 trillion uh, uh, budget, we need 15% of that pushed to healthcare and that mm. would help. And mm. uh, in terms of uh, access to essential medicines, then these issues of cancer if you know what we mean, then we need to ensure that there is good governance in uh, the procurement system across the board. In terms right. of uh, health, health products, you need to push and ensure that the government does mm-hmm. not charge for health products. For instance, someone who needs an implant, it becomes mm-hmm. unaffordable because you have mm-hmm. tax on it from the government, then transportation, fuel is expensive, they add another fuel, you transport it, you know, and then the health mm-hmm. products become expensive and therefore you cannot uh, afford them. Yeah. Yes. Then um, mm-hmm. in terms of health information systems, we mm-hmm. need uh, this uh, information on health collated mm-hmm. and put as information. And then after that, mm-hmm. you don't only have information, but you act on that information. So when mm-hmm. we say that there is no surgeon in ABCD place, then you send a surgeon, not uh, giving excuses that, oh, we do not have funds to that. But the information has shown there is a need for a surgeon. In terms of um, disability mainstreaming, for instance, then mm-hmm. you have, um, you, you need to ensure that you are thinking health, not as treatment, 
but as mm. both prevention and uh, facilitation of uh, health, for instance. Right. Um, health goes beyond like um, city planning. City planning. If someone was blind, they're supposed to be able to get from uh, wherever they are to wherever they need to go without mm. having been pulled in hand. So that's part of city mm. planning. If uh, someone is going from one place right. to another on a wheelchair, eh, yes. that they need to actually be able to go. And now, mm. in terms of the levels of government, um, when we, we we devolved healthcare, um, mm. uh, we have beef with uh, how the devolution was done. The idea, mm. though, uh, was as this: the county governments under the mm. governor were supposed mm. to be in charge of uh, preventive, promotive uh, healthcare. Uh, mm -hmm. And then at the national level, then you have mm -hmm. uh, the curative, or you know, the big hospitals mm -hmm. and the staff thereof. And in mm -hmm. between them, then you would have a referral mechanism, which is um, what is called pre-hospital. How do you refer from one place to another? So at yes. the county level, the health means, and this mm -hmm. was brought out excellently by COVID. It means that mm -hmm. you have preventive measures which include water and sanitation. If mm -hmm. it's just by sorting out water and sanitation, you prevent 90% of diseases. Right, mm -hmm. and transmission of them, yeah. Correct, mm -hmm. and therefore you prevent the health system from being overwhelmed by useless diseases like cholera, mm -hmm. you see? Mm -hmm. That is the role of the county government. They know well. In terms of housing, then you, you county governments are the ones that give licenses, for instance, for infrastructure and building. Now, the mm -hmm. pediatrics will tell you that the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the rate of rickets, which is caused by mm -hmm. lack of sunlight, is very high in these high-rise building places. What is mm -hmm. the problem is that the building and construction that not allow light to enter for babies to get, you see? That wow. is under the purview, purview of the county government. And by the time you get rickets, then when you grow mm -hmm. up, then you will be unable to deliver normally because your pelvis will be small. You did not develop your bones, yeah. you see? have long-term uh, kind of effects so that Health shows effects, that the yeah. role of the county government in actually mm. preventing uh, obstructed labor so to speak mm. eh? in, terms wow. of county government. in terms of the environment then you need mm. the county government to ensure that mercury mm. is not being dumped into the nairobi river and when you get mercury arsenic poisoning uh, mm. then there's a problem they need to ensure that the water that they serve is uh, has been uh, cleaned well and so mm -hmm. those are the roles of county government and then do they understand the these roles sorry Daktari, do they understand these roles because i'll tell you this and i've been in the government governance space for a while but i didn't know that it's that deep that the whole point of devolving healthcare is for you say preventive and promotive at the county level and you only live for you know the curative role of it in the national level. I don't even think I've ever had it expressed this way. Who is holding this information that it's not reaching out to the public? So uh, there, is, there is policy and there's practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason that uh, the county governments wanted the curative uh, uh, services is that prior to the devolution in 2013, the, mm. the government policy on health was uh, termed reversing the trends. There were bad trends in health, and they sat mm -hmm. down and came up with um, what is called uh, a, a, a reversing the trends policy, whereby uh, mm. people were charged with ensuring that you health 
facilities become not only uh, sort of centers of excellence of treatment, but mm. uh, centers in which money is collected and money is used to run the health facilities. So mm. that by the time uh, of devolution in 2013, the hospitals mm -hmm. had improved so much and they were doing so well in terms of revenue collection that mm -hmm. uh, they were seen as sources of income. But uh, the background to that was that the health workers were involved in ensuring that they run the health facilities, ensuring there's no leakage of funding mm -hmm. and that the monies collected by the units are actually mm -hmm. used towards improvement of the health facilities. I ran one of those for five years in the ASAL called Isiolo District mm -hmm. Hospital. And, um, and just from the top of the head, we can say that yeah. the revenue collection improved uh, fourfold uh, wow. in those five years. The uh, hospital moved from um, uh, one consultant hospital to an internship center, which requires a minimum of four consultants. The mm -hmm. services increased exponentially, and we reduced the referrals, and uh, mm -hmm. and we collected more money. You see, and mm -hmm. people were happy to speak. We also ensured that. Uh, we protect the community by enrolling them into the National Hospital Insurance Fund, NHIF, mm -hmm. such that mm -hmm. if you had one person coming and uh, you enroll them and their whole family, then the next time they come, you have protected mm -hmm. them using uh, enrollment from uh, NHIF and some form of medical insurance. So mm -hmm. that is the kind of um, uh, symbiosis we have had mm -hmm. between uh, the county and the community and the health mm -hmm. facilities. The health mm -hmm. facility was run by two uh, mm -hmm. committees. One was the hospital management team, which was the technical mm -hmm. team, and mm -hmm. a hospital management uh, committee, which mm -hmm. was headed by a member of the community. And in mm -hmm. that meeting, they would bring the community needs and we try to improve it in our in the hospital and all. We also had um, uh, the team from the county, the public health team that was going out mm -hmm. to the community to mm -hmm. administer how to see facilitate referral and things mm -hmm. like that. So those uh, may have been some of the things that may have been lost as a result mm -hmm. of the... In translation. Yes, yes. And I just want to bring in a comment from one of our viewers. I know she's also a medic. Her name is Ajiambo Sifuna, tuning in from the United States. And she's actually posing a question towards universal coverage. And she says universal coverage is, is a good idea, although it is viewed as an innovation killer. Shifting this from government to the public, from participation, education, curriculum, involvement, and, and so on and so forth. So where are the gaps? I have not had um, universal coverage being called or being viewed as an innovation killer. Why would this be... Um, assumed to be the case, and what do you think about this question? Yeah, so so she's probably uh, bringing it uh, from the lens of the United States of America, and mm -hmm. uh, the United States of America lens is a private lens. Uh, mm -hmm. For Africa, we view uh, medicine or the provision of healthcare from a public lens, and you mm -hmm. must do that because no one can afford. Uh, a private, uh, no one can afford sort of um, uh, catastrophic expenditure from health. So if you look at it that, oh, maybe um, the private health facilities will not prosper, uh, mm. maybe that's the view of innovation killer, but that is not necessarily true. 
healthcare mm -hmm. is one. And even in the statutes, healthcare has been described as uh, the rules governing health do not govern public healthcare sector. They govern both public and private sector. And private. But mm -hmm. it's just where you're coming from. We must put our government into task of ensuring that public health care is mm. at highest level. When that mm -hmm. happens, then the private health care comes in to complement mm. the public health care because it's, sometimes it's almost impossible for the government to actually take care of all the needs, especially mm. the high-end kind of uh, uh, management. And mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, the public, um, uh, the private health care also helps in uh, ensuring that the standards are not mm. kept low from the public mm. facility under the, under the guise that there's no money, you see? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we must uh, also have that. So the private healthcare sector is complementary and mm -hmm. the uh, role of the government is ensuring that there's a suitable en en environment for yes. each to contact. With the ultimate goal mm -hmm. being the mm. the ultimate goal being the healthcare mm. of that citizen you get mm. so if we start from the goal that any citizen anywhere in this country should be mm -hmm. able to uh, get health quality healthcare eh? healthcare is not just healthcare eh? it is quality mm. healthcare then we put our policies correctly mm -hmm. right right and actually i was going back to that statement where you know in 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 the private sector, people say that the role of, of the government is to create an enabling environment so that the, the private sector can thrive. And then the government will mobilize resources through taxation. And now I hear from you that the role of the government is sort of dual, where its role is to create that suitable envir environment for its public health services to thrive or healthcare um, service centers to thrive, but as well as private sector centers. And it's good to contextualize uh, this discussion. Um, I truly want us to cover the area of inclusion, whether we think that the practice currently is inclusive enough. I know before the Big Four agenda, we really had crazy stories coming up from the Northern side of the country, especially when it came to maternal healthcare. To this day, I, I mean, in, in 2020, December, during the adolescent, uh, the scientific uh, adolescent health, sexual and reproductive health care conference that happened in Mombasa, we had a woman come from, um, which was this county, still Mombasa County, and she had had a baby but had not been given proper education about uh, her possibility of conceiving while she was actually nursing her newborn. And so she conceived. Yeah. But her Chama women spoke to her and told her that, by the way, you can actually access safe abortion services within a health facility. And she did it. She procured an abortion. But as a result, she actually was publicly ridiculed by the community. Her husband took the baby and left. And she was now called a witch. And so many other horrific things that you can't imagine that is possible in 2020. All because, number one, she didn't have the knowledge. Nobody taught her about sexual reproductive health. She assumed that because I've conceived my baby, I can't conceive again. And therefore she, you know, she was brought into the conference to actually speak. And I was just in awe of it all. Imagining that, you know, I consider myself a born village, <laughs> but I've had the, the privilege to have this information given to me. I, I thought it was, it was on a platter, but now I'm beginning to realize that not everybody might have had the same opportunity to learn 
about sexual reproductive health. So do you think that our, our um, healthcare information dissemination policy practice, is it truly inclusive and who suffers most when it's not inclusive? Yeah, so um, that, that, that's a good question. And we must look at um, a lot of times we make a mistake of thinking that the, the healthcare and the health policy is the answer to the problems that people are facing. You see, and uh, a lot of times you think there is a, a magic wand that answers mm -hmm. the questions of healthcare uh, and uh, those inclusivity and uh, the services and all. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I I do not like to box myself in that uh, narrow space. So I look at it from a bird's eye view, and the bird's eye view starts with uh, several things. Health mm -hmm. comes from the community. So I've worked in Asal areas and I've worked in Nairobi and I've worked in Moranga and the health seeking behavior, the health attitudes mm -hmm. are very different. So you mm -hmm. may find uh, that uh, the health seeking behavior in an, uh, where I worked in an Asal area, for instance, is to mm -hmm. get as many children as possible. And when you come down north and you say, no, there is more um, need for uh, family planning, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So look at these two uh, scenarios. One, you are working in this area where the community, it mm. is a, a very good thing to have many children. So you may mm. not have access to uh, family planning uh, methods because generally people do not uh, need as a, uh, from the community family planning. But when you come mm. down here where they are limiting uh, the number of children, for instance, they have then access to family planning, the demand mm. actually is mm. uh, even is even more then mm. uh, when you look at it from that community view then you need to um, the medical practice uh, mm. needs to be tailored according mm. to that community you see mm. so you may take mm. a practice that you think is normal in one area mm. to another mm. area and uh, it does not fit uh, maybe mm. a small example to use is like taking anti-malarious drug mm. a lot of them to central kenya where mosquitoes mm. die of cold you see mm. and maybe there's not too much malaria and not taking it in uh, western province in nyanza where malaria mm. is endemic you see, mm -hmm. so that that uh, that that that. Uh, but when you come down now in terms of um, non-communicable diseases like diabetes mellitus, which mm -hmm. are many, are mm -hmm. uh, the higher majority in around this central Kenya region, vis-a-vis mm -hmm. uh, Western. Then, so you see, you must tailor according to the disease burden, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Information dissemination in terms of. Um, uh, what is are the cultural practices in relation to uh, both uh, genders, so to speak? Mm. Then mm -hmm. information there. Then, mm. uh, um, then the, uh, then now comes to the health system in terms of health promotion. Uh, mm -hmm. A long time ago, uh, there, there used to be people walking around from the public health uh, department, going mm -hmm. home to home, trying to see mm. whether they're there is ABCD and all sorts of things, including mm. are you immunized? You have this information on one where to go for delivery, what mm. to do. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So this has sort of gone down and um, mm -hmm. public promotion, public health promotion mm -hmm. is a very big component that uh, unfortunately was devolved and uh, some mm -hmm. county government may invest in it and others may not. 
and mm-hmm. uh, so in terms of uh, and then in terms of sexual reproductive health rights some communities mm-hmm. some community practices that were there before like you have the aunties training the young ones mm-hmm. on all manner of uh, things uh, menses uh, marriage and all uh, those uh, community uh, items have uh, fallen off as a result of probably urbanization urban uh, rural mm-hmm. to urban migration uh, and mm-hmm. uh, those things so it uh, it you really need to look at nothing can be uh, the bullet magic mm-hmm. bullet for specific issues so for mm-hmm. individuals you really need to go back to uh, to understanding where mm-hmm. they are coming from which community they are in where they live and mm. uh, what the education background, what is the penetration of education, and mm-hmm. uh, whether resources have actually been allocated. For instance, mm. uh, in the Asa region, a nomadic people may have different needs from uh, people who are doing farming, for instance. Right, they right. Must tailor their needs according to that. Now, um, the one of the aims of devolution is actually mm-hmm. to... Um, to, to individualize uh, mm-hmm. management of communities, you see. Mm-hmm. So a county government may uh, have their priorities according mm-hmm. to what their issues are, you see. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, currently, um, uh, drought has been declared a national um, disaster, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people who are suffering are in the northern and arid regions. So right. the governments there may prioritize nutrition, which is a health issue. Uh, mm. And therefore, more monies may be allocated towards food distribution. And mm. uh, and you see, so mm. as opposed to down here where maybe diabetes is a problem mm. now, you see. So mm-hmm. you must really contextualize any form of uh, management of health and uh, uh, limiting it to a specific issue then mm. uh, those ones should be left to individual, for instance, health practitioners who can engage mm. social workers, who can engage mm. counselors, who can mm-hmm. engage treatment records and all. Yes. Mm. Right, right. And thank you for that. I mean, it's good that you bring it back to perspective by telling us to step back and look at the different contexts under which um, certain things are done. And actually, this being a diversity platform, we are sensitive to cultural demands of different regions and so on and so forth. So I had to ask that question because it really bothered my mind. And I was like, the first time I'm going to have a doctor on board, especially someone in the policy space, I would definitely ask the question. And your answer is actually, you know, it's it's good enough to help me think deeper as I, ad- I address these matters. Now, one of the other principles that I came across in terms of universal health care uh, principles is actually adequate motivated health and, rem- and remunerated healthcare workers. That is a question that I'm sure you also saw coming. And I just wanted to know whether in Kenya we're doing a good job at it or what is the problem? And I have to bring this up because, and you know, for me, this is a sensi- sensitive area. <laughs> but, um, you know, why have a doctor on duty who doesn't have enough nurses? What happens at a point of emergency? And, you know, I'm saying this as someone who has been affected by such a situation where I had to leave with somebody who was basically hanging on a, you know, on a string um, and he ended up resting. 
but it just felt like I lost 15 good minutes in a hospital that was open, but the nurses were on strike. And I don't know how many other cases are out there. So, Daktari, are our do we have adequate and motivated and remunerated healthcare workers in Kenya? Is that something that we could work on? And don't don't think of it as politically or anything. It's just like, what can yeah. we do if we don't have that? What is the motivation that can be done for those yeah. of us who know that we are on the path towards getting into those positions that will be making critical decisions for this country? Yeah, so I, I I think I had touched on that even as the program started and just to go straight mm. to the point in terms of what we have been advocating for, for you mm -hmm. to, uh, for us, the way we see it, to achieve mm. an adequate and motivated um, health workforce in this country, we need what mm. is called a health service commission whose job mm. and also a policy whereby all health workers are immediately mm. absorbed after training and deployed to, to, to their various workplaces. Health is mm -hmm. a very practical uh, career, so to speak. Eh? You mm -hmm. go and you're not only working, but you are actually working using the skills you are actually directly trained for. And it's one mm -hmm. of uh, those things. So to answer your question, we'll go back to um, uh, the period, the devolution period, and then I'll ask you how many health worker strikes have been there. Mm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I, I mean... The, 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 in the uh, at the onset of devolution, then uh, mm. there have been uh, more than 50 health care mm. workers. Right? So that just points to a situation whereby there's a problem. Mm. Yeah? Mm. And uh, part of the uh, what has happened uh, mm. uh, following the health worker strikes, part mm. of the, uh, the almost unwritten government uh, policy is that they mm. have frozen employment of health workers. So that mm -hmm. uh, from about the year 2017, then the the ratio between health mm -hmm. worker and patient is now getting worse, so to speak, because the the rate at which new health workers are being employed uh, mm -hmm. is uh, is frozen. It's it's almost a deliberate kind of thing, and mm -hmm. uh, we 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 have seen uh, mm -hmm. that the number you're producing are not the number of being imposed, and therefore. Uh, mm -hmm. When you go to any health mm -hmm. facilities, the ratios mm -hmm. will be getting worse. Actually, this and, is crazy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and 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 for us, it, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, this was brought to the fore by COVID, whereby mm -hmm. the guidelines that we wrote in terms of human resources for health, there's a whole book, were not mm -hmm. implemented because they simply said we do not have money to employ. Mm -hmm. But uh, it all comes from the policy and. Mm -hmm. um, if you uh, the if the ratios uh, become poor, then also that has an effect on the service uh, delivery. So, um, mm. in, uh, in basically, we need we have a growing population. The yes. the need for health workers will always increase. You can't say that oh we have enough. You can never have enough. Uh, yes. And therefore, the policy should be towards ensuring <laughs> that mm -hmm. the motivation of uh, the health workers. Mm. Is, is um and and maybe because i've been in both sides of the divide a major issue in terms mm. of health workers issue is the autonomy and the mm. autonomy that they needed to have to run especially public institutions this was yes. taken away uh, by mm -hmm. uh, uh, devolution and yes. um, um, a small example is that 
previously a hospital management team used to mm. decide what is needed in the hospital and they allocate resources to that currently mm. now you have to beg you have to beg the county government wow. mm. to uh, buy a bulb for instance because um uh, the, the 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 finances are now centralized the finances are now centralized mm -hmm. at the county level actually mm -hmm. what we say what we say, you say decentralized do you say decentralized because before it was under the national government and now it's in the county government so it's no sort of actually and, and that's the concept i actually wanted to push to you it has right. become more centralized uh, more centralized mm -hmm. such that and, and mm -hmm. this is actually the paradox and uh, that people try to prevent. The county governments are now the ones collecting monies from the hospital. Previously, wow. hospitals had their own accounts and mm -hmm. you deposit into that account. And after three months, you're given what is called the authority to incur expenditure. And mm -hmm. you people at the, decide, okay, yeah, last week we didn't have this. But now this mm -hmm. money is collected by the county government and they decide uh, mm. when to give you what to give you and therefore you 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 have a more centralized devolved governance you see mm. so it's it's the opposite whereby now even the health workers who are now devolved that you belong to the county mm. whereas they should be more centralized so that they are able to move around easily when necessary you see in the mm. spirit of in the principles of the constitution of county government of patriotism of uh, ability to to mm. to ability to move around the country so this concept is very important and you need to look at it that way that yeah. health was not devolved because the the, mm. the the county governments now became the centers of collecting money and this as i told you they did because uh, mm. the county hospital became were improved from the year 2006 7 up to 2013 mm -hmm. just at the time and became centers of money and this is what mm -hmm. they are focusing on you see yeah so um we really need in terms of even that what you're called motivation of health workers they become motivated when they are able to run the health facilities themselves and not when they are mm -hmm. receiving orders from county governments mm -hmm. on oh treat this particular fellow you see so mm -hmm. Are important concepts. You must uh, uh, a lie often repeated does not become the truth. Health the was truth. actually right. not health was actually not devolved. It was centralized because mm. now county governments are the ones controlling the pass, as opposed mm. to the individual hospitals. And I'll give you a very good example. I was the mm. medical uh, superintendent of the Ciolo District Hospital. I had the mm. authority to incur expenditure, meaning I was the one signing for the monies we've collected at that quota for use at the mm. hospital. When the yes. position came, now this has to be signed at the county and you, you send, and, and therefore this forms some form of demotivation of the health workers so that they do not right. see what the money they have worked for is going into. And when they mm -hmm. ask for things, uh, then they don't get. And then their salaries are delayed. Mm. Yeah, and Because now you, you've said they are health workers of the county, but yet mm -hmm. the money to them comes from national treasury. So the mm. county government serves as an ATM. You see, wow. money comes from uh, the, so mm. the county government. Yeah. So then they keep it. Mm. They keep it. And then after you, you get delays, you've, we've had some counties where the delays are for one month, two months, you see, mm. and still, yeah. you still expect that particular person to function well. So these are some yeah. of the things that require discussion you see mm. so that mm. we, we do not um 
come to a situation whereby mm. uh, and and I'll, I'll now discuss this this issue of the of strike uh, mm. health workers strike because of what is called moral injury yeah mm-hmm. moral injury mm-hmm. and to you people don't wake up one day and go on strike there has been accumulative uh, event of things that have been mistreated mm-hmm. their, uh, their their salaries have been delayed their statutory deductions have not been sent to the relevant bodies and mm-hmm. uh, and they wake up but more important is that they are accused of mm. things they are not in control of and i'll give you an example if i am there and a mother comes and delivers and starts bleeding for instance yes, yes. a drug and i need a drug to stop the bleeding and i don't have the drug and the reason i don't have the drug is because the government has not bought that drug then the mother mm-hmm. dies the community will say i killed the patient you see mm-hmm. but i had yes. no control of that yes. expenditure and purchase you see mm-hmm. and therefore after some, after some time of asking asking for the same thing you go on strike and in right. fact if you're on strike the patient is likely to leave because they'll go to a place where the mm-hmm. drug is available and if they may have to pay in a private facility but then right. they'll start saying oh those people are on strike but you see in terms of moral injury when this repeats several times and you mm. start becoming guys mm. then it becomes an ethical issue so it becomes mm. ethical to go on strike you see wow so people don't just wake up one day and decide oh wow. we don't like this. but mm. now when they go on strike this issue is politicized you see mm-hmm. uh, you see your 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 doctors your nurses your clinical mm. officers are on strike you see so yet they do not address the issue mm that brought that strike along you see we have yeah. uh, what are called collective bargaining agreements so when mm. the government reneges on that mm. Uh, mm. and then you go on strike then mm. uh, then you come and say oh, oh. And, and that's the reason we decided no in 2017 just go to jail so that uh, we, we I remember I remember that them. I was I was thinking a doctor Onuga go on the streets and I was like surely these people look reasonable enough But actually that that goes back to the lack of information. It is sad that even we who have gone through 844 do not even understand how these things work. Devolution the came when most of us had finished our tertiary level education. And unless you decided to pursue knowledge of the constitution and what devolution means, when you see a doctor go on strike, you just see negligence. So therefore I think I think your path is right to become a social innovator to be an advocate of maybe first of all demystifying the thoughts and the presumptions that we have and then also to just continually thank you for you know agreeing come on this platform but to continually help in dissemination of uh, information that is critical to people so that they understand what happens I have a young female who wants to actually vie for a senatorial position in Moranga and i will be supporting her but when she went to plea her case or maybe state her case to uh, the constituent members she was being told why didn't you go for nomination the ignorance of it all people don't even understand how things work and therefore now you're telling us that we are having this paradox and i think i i i typed it somewhere in the comment where you're telling us that we have this paradox that we are assuming that you know health is a devolved function therefore money is coming from the county government but we're not understanding that there's lack of autonomy in the management of the, of those um, resources being mobilized so it is such a shame that you know i knew i came onto this podcast in this session uh, to learn 
but it is sad to know how much more we don't know. And if we don't know this much, imagine the many people that follow us, the many people who look up to us to give them information, how much more they do not know. So Asante Sana for, someone is asking, surely this is a tough question. Someone is asking, why are we ignorant? <laughs> and another mystery um, is saying amazing conversation. Thank you guys for your comments. Me is, is to say that we may not answer all the questions here. I see another sexual reproductive health question that came. Uh, stories from the OR, what is your opinion on sexual reproductive health rights being taught in schools? Do we as a country need to think that? Maybe you could take that question as we wind up and leave our audience with words of encouragement. I know we've had probably 14, 15 people tune in and out during our live session, but many more people will watch tomorrow and guess what, for years to come. So this is a good thing that we're having this conversation now. So you could feel free to take that last question and then yeah. uh, give us a very nice, positive parting shot, a glimpse of yeah. home, an, an, an array of <laughs> hope and sunshine, something like that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like that question that merges uh, health and education. And education is another uh, topical issue that uh, we usually com commentate on. And um, of course, there's a whole uh, CBC debate that I will not go into. Because, uh, yeah. But uh, well, uh, I think it should be overworked. But um, um, in terms of um, um, the, the problem we are having in Kenyans, even mm. uh, as you can see that uh, question, is that we take um, uh, uh, and we take positions at each end. You see, and mm. we do not come together to actually decide. Um, mm. uh, decide what is best, uh, for instance, for the children. Uh, mm. About sexual and reproductive health rights being taught in schools, uh, the mm. first thing we need to do is to have definitions of these things. Mm. These mm. Some, some words we use, we don't even know what they mean. Sexual and mm. reproductive health rights, you see? Mm. We, we need mm. to sit down and uh, come up with some form of curriculum and uh, say, what do our children need to know at this level? And we right. uh, agree, yeah. And secondly, we need to also to agree on how do we deliver this mm. information? If some people find out, if people think that it is, uh, it's not the way they like it, then you sit down mm. and actually discuss what is the best mm. way to deliver this thing. And do we mm. need to deliver this information? Once we agree on that, then we, the mm. house, and the, 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 the discussions people have by taking uh, end positions will stop. Right. And mm. we, do children need to be taught ABCD? They do. Uh, how do we do it? Then we agree on how to do mm. it. So, um, mm. and, and, and maybe we need to move conversations uh, away mm. from uh, either do it this way or that way and come mm. up with uh, regular conversations like this particular one. And uh, mm. I'm sure you get a lot of information from it so that we mm. can all participate towards the development of our country. Yeah, mm. And we avoid, right. oh, are we supporting this person? Are we supporting this one? And we focus more on the values. Which value uh, mm. are we supporting, you see? So that mm. you do not box us into one thing or the other. We just do what is right for mm -hmm. One. So uh, is devolution good or bad? No, it cannot be a discussion like that. There are good right. aspects of devolution. There are aspects that we tried and have failed and we accept. There are aspects in education that we have tried and we can see them mm -hmm. failing. Mm -hmm. Accept and correct. Yeah? Right. The only problem right. is when people take hard stance position and refuse to, mm -hmm. to correct. 
Right. Uh, I think with that, um, my the, the parting shot of this is that mm-hmm. leave the experts to do their job. The uh, ideas on health are by health workers. Eh? Mm. And we must avoid politicians purporting to be health workers. And I'll give you an example. When COVID struck this country and in uh, we had uh, a, a calm for four months whereby we, are least, we were listening to health workers and mm. not politicians, mm. that was one of the best times in this country. You see, mm. there'll, be no, uh, there'll be no fights between communities. There'll be no health workers. They were just treating and everyone. A health worker mm. is the only person. Uh, mm. Okay, probably not the only person. Let's say it's mm. a person in a position to be a patriot. Yeah, mm. teachers, mm. people like teachers, they can, they're, they're, they're in a position to be uh, uh, patriotic. I have worked mm. in uh, Nairobi. I have worked in Machakos. I learned a few Kamba words here and there. I have mm. worked in Isolo. I have done medical camps in Baringo. Ever, mm. You see, so you get to meet every different kind of culture and we love it. Yeah? A lot of my colleagues are from all walks of life, that diversity thing that you're telling us. Mm. Yes. The mix and match in uh, in the medical fraternity. Mm. My mother-in-law, for instance, uh, when the, she finished, she was a nurse. When she finished mm. school, like she worked in uh, Wajir for mm. three years before now coming to her hometown. You see, this mm. creates diversity. We we mm. we cannot box people and claim that you want to be patriots, yet you have put rules and regulations that mm. do not facilitate this. If right. I, my wife works in Machakos and mm. I work in Mombasa and mm. I'm a health worker, we are both employed by a system, there should be a way to facilitate that I come and work near her without me mm. having to resign or something. This mm. helps prevent HIV. It presents. Mm. It helps prevent uh, domestic violence and things mm. like that. You see? So we mm. must look at our policies from mm. a Kenyan point of view, a patriotic point of view. Right. So uh, I think with that, your diversity question mm. is answered. We must it make rules. And finally, we must tell these politicians to stop mm-hmm. trying to exclude health workers from mm-hmm. the big body, uh, uh, big bodies that run health in this country. We mm-hmm. have of late seen health care mm-hmm. uh, uh, laws trying to remove, for instance, uh, the mm-hmm. Kenya Medical Association, from bodies like the National Hospital Insurance Fund, from bodies like the Medical Board. And they did pass rules. And they are just, this is just to prevent them from, the health mm-hmm. workers from uh, pointing out issues that they are in trying. So we, must, we, must, we must stop these uh, bad mm-hmm. health amendment laws that they are bringing. We must stop them. Right. And right. for the people to see and not to be cheated, and mm. listen to the professionals. Listen mm. to the professionals. I think that's uh, the bottom line of it. Right, right. Thank you very much. We do have three minutes to go. And I see, I don't know where the viewers are coming in from. You guys should have been here at eight o'clock. But Dr. is going to give us a parting shot with positivity. This is on a personal level, not on a professional level or a policy level, to know how you keep a straight face. Or in Among our audience, we have both male and female. Um, at some point, medicine, or maybe pursuing this medicine, uh, you know, the doctorate, undergraduate course, stopped being yeah. fancy. I don't know how you you would say that, first of all, have the right intention towards coming to this career 
I had a discussion with a mother over lunch hour today as I was, as I was walking to KMA actually. And they were telling me that my doctor started having a wrong attitude with me and I think something has happened to them and I don't feel safe with them anymore. So I found a new pediatrician with my daughter and this one is good. She actually says, my, 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 you know, my, 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 my space is uh, baby proofed. Let your baby play. Let's talk. And what is the growth process? And, and she was just so excited. And I was like, do we, I've had the privilege of having good doctors, thankfully, uh, but do we have the right people in this profession? And what would you say to both young men and young women who want to get into this profession as we close? Yeah. Yeah. So um, health workers in general and doctors in particular become good doctors when the environment that they are given mm. is suitable. So when you have, uh, for instance, um, uh, a health, uh, a doctor who is running around all over town trying to make mm. ends meet because one, they have not been employed immediately after they finish school they are yes. running around they are, they are trying to uh, get a wife for instance mm -hmm. they are trying to, mm -hmm. they may be they may be in in in, in trouble you see mm. and maybe that that said that does not make in a, it's usually a personality issue you see right have you been taught how to have you been exposed and and mm. and, and and maybe if i come from my perspective huh, mm. i i learned finesse by what you do, <laughs> doing local in, 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 in and, and this is a true story. I learned mm -hmm. finance in a private setting, but I learned mm -hmm. the art in the public setting. Mm -hmm. So this, mm -hmm. they, 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 the complementarity about it. The public mm -hmm. sector has many patients of which you have to treat with culture. So you get exposed to a lot of the illnesses. The private mm -hmm. sector, uh, as we, we, we say the difference, you have to treat people in a special way. You get what I mean? In there is a way right. because yes. also that aspect of, uh, by the way, if you chase away Retention. our clients, yes, you will also chase you again. The profits go down, but that yes. means that they put on some form of quality, and they mm. you also they also invest in what is called public um, uh, uh, customer relations. So to right, speak. not yes. that you can't do that in the public sector. It's easier mm. in the private sector because one, the patient load is little and the environment is there. So we mm. must also make promote the people to work in both sides. Then you you right. get the book or both worlds and the patient benefits. Mm. The right. Most. Right. Right. The day, yeah. the day uh, I, and I'll, with this will be the last point. The day mm. I started wearing a shirt was the mm. day I, I used to be very good working in the. Uh, uh, um, public sector and in Machakos they yes. say oh that guy is a good guy but when you mm -hmm. go uh, to the public sector I used to work in a private hospital and then mm -hmm. one day a mm -hmm. patient one mm -hmm. day a patient reported to the head of that public, uh, private unit that yes. day seen mm -hmm. by a street man you get mm -hmm. what I mean probably because mm -hmm. of the clothes that you're wearing you're thinking your brain is very good and that's the day I, I, I had an aha moment I said what they're looking mm. at what I'm wearing, you see. But when you are treating <laughs> people in the other sector, they're not looking at it. They, as long as they get well, they go home and the public says they're fine. But now mm. uh, this is thing, which is also important. So you improve mm. both ways. So I think um, it's individual. And mm -hmm. uh, doctors improve with mentorship, with opportunities. And it is right. the role of uh, the older to actually uh, mentor the younger mm. ones. 
All right. Thank you so much, Daktari. We really appreciate your time. We know you're still in the office and, you know, well done. I've seen your students here. I've seen so many Daktaris. <laughs> I hope I get to retain them whenever I discuss healthcare matters, but usually we discuss about governance and looking yeah. forward to the next, uh, you know, next week's episode. Asante yeah. Sana, have a blessed evening. And thank you to our viewers for those who managed to stay in. I still see somebody sending a comment. Oh, it's YouTube, and YouTube has sent us a comment. <laughs> have a blessed evening, Dr. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.